0: Okay, this morning our scripture reading is from the book of Proverbs. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading from chapter 11, verses 24 and 25 from the New Living Translation. Give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Sandy. All right, so today we are moving into a new section in Proverbs. The previous chapters that we'd been up to this point, chapters one through nine, they laid the foundation for defining the character traits of a wise person as opposed to a foolish person. We learned that true wisdom comes from God and leads to life and all that is good. And folly is a mere half-life that ends in death. Folly is an imitation of wisdom. What looks good really is not good at all. So now that there's clarity on Solomon giving us what true wisdom is and where it comes from, he begins to use sayings that contrast the righteous from the wicked or right from wrong. Each proverb now on is complete in itself, though some are linked by words and themes. They demonstrate the outworking of wisdom and folly in very practical everyday living terms. For example, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Or whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. And I really like this one. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Hmm, it's quite a word picture. Well, the thing about Proverbs is that they're generally universal. In other words, whether you're a Christian or not, they tend to be accepted as wise and true. There might be disagreement on where that wisdom comes from, but not what it looks like. So most religions have some form of Proverbs. So I spent some time this last week reading Proverbs from other religions. Let's see if you can guess... Which religion, I'm quoting here. The strong man is not the one who wrestles well, but the strong man is the one who controls his anger when in a fit of rage. Prophet Muhammad. Here's another one. If I had even a slight awareness and practiced the great way, what I would fear would be deviating from it. Buddha. A bird that you set free may be caught again, but a word that escapes your lips will not return. That's a Jewish proverb. And last, there is nothing noble in being superior to some other man. The true nobility is in being superior to your previous self. Hindu, wisdom is universal, all truth is God's truth. Well, our proverb today involves some math. Now, it fits with this time of year because we're all talking about back to school and the college kids are all headed off to school. And I'll just tell you that math was never my good subject. I, and if there's kids in here, don't do what I did. I took the lowest level needed to graduate because as soon as I hit algebra, I was totally lost. Why are you mixing letters with numbers? I think it was somebody's prank way back when, and it caught on as something that was supposed to be math. Well, Solomon enlightens us on new math, God's math. It's what we call kingdom math, because the kingdom of God has its own set of ordinances and ways of doing things. In confirmation, one of the exercises the students did when studying the kingdom of God was to set up their own kingdom. Now in addition to creating a flag, a name, and some currency, they established laws and governances. So they made up how the kingdom was going to run. You can imagine how interesting it would have been to be a citizen in one of those kingdoms that these confirmation kids came up with. And then when we studied God's practices and his kingdom, there did seem to be a few discrepancies in there with what the rules were. Well, in God's economy, the more you give, the more you get. It's counterintuitive to what normally makes sense to us. Now, I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel here. That is the belief that God will reward you monetarily with wealth the more you give. That is not biblical. Giving to get is the wrong motivation. Now, I'm not saying that God won't bless you monetarily, but it's not a promise. The issues of money and finances are mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible. God knew we were going to struggle with being wise with our resources. Now, to understand kingdom math, we need to grasp this foundational principle. It's found in James 1.17... Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Now, there are many verses that state about how God owns it all and everything we have comes from him. One of my other favorite ones is in Psalm 89. The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. The world and all it contains, you have founded them. I think that pretty much covers everything that we could think about there. And we lose sight of the fact that it is God who gives us the ability and opportunity to make a living. It's not ourselves. And we gain the right perspective, the wise perspective on our possessions when we remember that fact. Everything we have belongs to him. So, he says here, give freely and get more, uh, be more wealthy. Be stingy and lose it all. The wealthiest king showed us the wisdom in our finances. Another way to say it is in the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, it gets smaller and smaller. It reminds me of the story that we hear at Christmas time on Ebenezer Scrooge. He was stingy and his world was very small. And it wasn't until he had an epiphany through those three ghosts that came to see him that he found out the meaning of real life, people. He became generous and his world got larger. He chose wisdom over folly at that point. He chose a real life over his previous less than life. It seems the more we grasp and hoard the more we think we need. The lie is that if we focus on ourselves and our own interests, we will have more. Solomon, he's telling us the opposite here in Proverbs. Even though we're talking about being generous with money, the same principle will apply to our time, our resources, and even our words. In our culture, sometimes writing a check can be much easier than giving our time. We are all so busy. Our time is what we can be the most stingy with. We think we won't have enough of it for ourselves if we commit to serving. We all have the same amount of time in a day, 24 hours. That's what you have and that's what I have. If we don't have enough time to serve God or go where he's calling us, Perhaps we're not using our time wisely. Ephesians 4 says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, many of you were very generous with your time a few weeks ago when we had vacation Bible camp. We had about 60 volunteers in this building. It was a thing of beauty. Well, that's what made it a success. If not everybody had been generous with their time, and it was a long, hard week. That week would not have turned out the way that it did. And as we begin a new school year, we need the same sacrificial commitment of time as our programs all begin. We all want to offer high-quality children and youth programs, but if we don't have people giving generously of their time, it's just not going to happen. Again, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it can be built up. Now, I know for myself, as I've been studying to do this message this message last week, God has been really talking to me about how I spend my time, I hardly have seen my neighbors in probably about four months. They see me coming and going, but there's no time for them in between or on my weekends. I need to make wiser choices with how I am spending my time. I'm hearing that loud and clear. And just because I work at a church does not mean that I'm spending my time wisely. You see, if my neighbors just see me spending all my time at church, what's the message that they're getting from me about them? The biggest deterrent to giving our money or our time or our resources, it's not that we don't have enough. It's usually fear. Fear that there won't be enough left over for us. But when we give sacrificially beyond what's comfortable, beyond what we think we can do, we are exercising our faith and trust in God. A few examples. Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. Elijah was directed by God to go to Zarephath and was told that a widow would provide him food. Now, there had been a famine in the land So he goes, he finds her, he asks for a drink of water, and as she's going away to get that drink of water, he says, please bring me a piece of bread. And here's how she replies. As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it And then we will die. Sounds pretty drastic, doesn't it? Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Here's that fear again. He says, go home, make something for me first, and then make something for you and your son. Sounds pretty crazy. Sounds really foolish. He told her that the flour and oil would not get used up until the Lord sent rain again. And that's exactly what happened. Now, just to balance things out, we'll go to the New Testament. Remember those fish and loaves? There were 5,000 plus people to feed. And a boy, a child, brought the little resources that he had to Jesus. He was not afraid to give away what he had because he trusted the Lord Again, what was sacrificed was more than enough. Giving is getting. God's math is validated again. So, is fear causing you to be less than generous? Some of the most generous people, they have the least to give. Well, verse 25 says that the generous will prosper, And those who refresh others, they themselves are going to be refreshed. Now, we are to be generous not just with our money, our time and resources, but also with words and good deeds. Solomon uses the term here, refresh. And I am reminded of Holly's Bible study during the year that's called Refresh. So when you hear that term, what image comes to your mind? Well, two a few days ago seemed like we had summer here I think a cold drink on a hot day, that sensation of cold water when your mouth is so dry, that is so refreshing. I bet you all can hear that right now and just see what that's like. We are all so concerned about staying hydrated, right? We all have our water bottles with us. We're constantly drinking water. We know it's going to make us feel better. But Solomon's not referring to physical refreshment or hydration. He's talking about spiritual and emotional refreshment. Our culture is so stressed and disconnected, we're all running around spiritually and emotionally dehydrated. So what are some of the ways that we can refresh someone? Well, Ephesians says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then in 1 Thessalonians, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Words of encouragement, words that build up, that are helpful. I know that when I get an email, a card, or any form of encouragement, and usually it comes from one of you, it completely refreshes my soul. It changes my day. Any encouraging scripture verse is like a cold drink of water on a parched mouth and throat. You know, something that I've gotten in the habit of doing, because I just felt like God was saying, hey, here are some easy ways that you can refresh or encourage somebody, is the people who are serving me, I make it a point to try to refresh them. If I'm at the grocery store, I usually ask the clerk, oh, so are you at the beginning or the end of your shift? And they kind of look at me like, oh, you care about me? And then they start telling me some things about themselves it starts a conversation. Or a wait person at a restaurant. They like to be asked, how's your day? Or sometimes I'll say, do you live close to here? Do you have a family? And that starts a refreshing conversation. And we have a Salvation Army truck up by us um, at the community center where we live. And when I go up there to take some kind of donation, I usually try to stop by the Starbucks and pick up some cookies and bread and take them up there. And as I'm giving them the donation, I just say, thank you so much for doing this. It's really, it's really helpful to people. And it changes their whole countenance. It's amazing. It doesn't take much to refresh another person. Everything can change for them. So, If I'm going to be refreshed by refreshing somebody else, what am I getting out of it? I am refreshed by doing something so small but has so much meaning to somebody else. Because when we refresh someone else, they feel seen. We all want to be seen. God sees us. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. He sees everything we do. So, giving an over the top tip or taking the time to encourage someone, those are just a few ways that we can refresh others in need of it. Now, going back to that math, how is it that we get by giving? What do we get? Well, when we're generous and we focus on others, we get the blessing of knowing we have met a need in someone else. And this isn't just a Christian thing at all, because those who claim no faith, they serve and give in very generous ways, sometimes much more than those who do claim to follow Christ. You know, Christians can be the stingiest tippers Not any of you, but Christians in other churches, I know, have been very stingy tippers. Here's what I think. Because we were all created in the image of God, whether we acknowledge it or not, that is what we get back. We get back being like God. God said, let us make human beings in our image, referring to the Trinity, to be like us. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. You see, when we imitate God, the one who created us, we are being like him. We are living out our real purpose. We're living a real life, not the less than one that seems better because it's all about us. That's temporary satisfaction, Eternal satisfaction comes from bearing the image of an eternal God, a God that is over-the-top generous. When we're generous, we are bearing His image. For God so loved the world, those who know Him and those who don't, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not die but we'll have eternal life. None of us can be more generous than that. So how about some application points? How tightly are you holding on to what God has entrusted you, whether it's money, time, talent, resources? Do you give your first fruits, or do you wait and see what's left over at the end of the month? And that's what God gets. And how are you modeling life a life of sacrificial generosity, whether it is your time or your money? How are you doing that for your children or your grandchildren? And have you experienced the truth that it is more blessed to give than to receive? And how about, like me, What activity or way you're spending your time that maybe God's asking you to rethink so that you have more time to serve him? Time seems to be our most precious commodity. And what are the ways that maybe even today you can refresh someone else? We have many opportunities to be generous, but the one that's available to us right now is the school supply drive for Mary's Place. I guarantee you that you will get back way more than you give. You see, these moms and kids, they're used to being unseen. We can show them that God sees them by seeing them ourselves. Giving generously, may seem like folly to some, but Solomon knew that it was actually the wisest way to live because it's life-giving for us and for others. I'm going to close with this scripture from 2 Corinthians. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that his poverty he could make you rich. Please pray with me. Lord, we are thankful for your over-the-top generosity to us. You have withheld nothing from us, including your very life. Give us hearts that desire to bear your image by offering all that we have for the sake of others. And Lord, open our eyes to the ways today that we are not being wise with all you have entrusted to us. May we be known as a generous and wise people who know that giving results in getting so much more. In your name we pray, amen.